sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Marjani Rawls. We promised you an Incredibles 2 episode, so here we are with that. And MJ, I know that when I first came to you about this, we definitely wanted to talk about both of them. And I think that works well because of how this movie picks up. It picks up right where the Incredibles left off. Like, no time had passed. It had not been 14 years for them, you know, everything like that. What did you think of that move? I liked it. I liked it because um, I think that, especially with, like, as much time as passes from the first movie, it allowed me to, like, kind of, like, enjoy what happened in the first movie again. Like, it was just like, oh, this is just kind of a continuation. It wasn't even like it was a sequel. It was, It was like, if you watch them back to back is kind of like one big long movie if you wanted to do that. So like it was helpful. It was like, Oh, okay. So they didn't do a thing where it was like, you know, 15 years later or like 10 years later and like violence in college and, you know, dashes in high school and stuff like that. Like I, I like that. It was like back to back. I, I really did. Yeah. It was almost like how the final Harry Potter movie was, or Harry Potter book was split into two movies. You know, it wasn't necessarily a sequel, so to speak. It was just a continuation, and they wanted to tell more of the story for that one. So they took two movies to do it. And with this, that's really what it felt like. You were like, okay, this opening scene, I know where exactly where we are. We know what's going on. And especially for me, because like I mentioned in the previous episode, I watched The Incredibles for the first time this year. So I didn't have the 14 year wait that everyone else did who saw it when it first came out and everything like that. So that was really nice because there wasn't a huge gap between my viewings. I watched The Incredibles fairly recently. I want to say it was like a week or two before Incredibles 2 came out and I went to go see it. So it was a pretty quick turnaround for me. That opening scene, you know, it's just like okay, these are the same characters. Yes, we will have new characters, which we will talk about shortly. But for the most part, you're still getting the full story for them. We're not going to skip parts and have you be all confused when we start this. So that was really nice, too. Yeah, like, um, it took... If you saw the first movie and stuff like that, and I've seen a lot of people... Like I said, like in the first podcast, like this is like the sequel for older people. It's sequel for like, you know, people our age who are like our late 20s, early 30s and stuff like that. And even for kids, like if it wasn't a story that like it was it's nice that if you if you saw the first movie, but you it's not as exactly exactly essential to see it like it's its own. It's a continuation, but it's its own story. And the right. fact that like. They did a sequel, and it has a lot of themes that we're dealing with in 2018 as opposed to the 1990s, which is also nice. So it feels like each movie has, you know, it's a contemporary piece on the times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do want to talk about these new characters because a lot of them come in a little later. You know, we get that opening scene with the 
big battle against the mole man dude or whatever he was calling himself and i think it was like the undertaker or something i don't even know but you have a whole set of new heroes and you have a new villain in this and i think you know even though they introduced a lot of new characters i think they did it in a way that worked really well because it's not like we were bombarded with all of them at once sure you get the group of heroes who come in later but just to have additions like bob odenkirk to the cast and everything like that it was like okay yes they are going for this you know you even have sophia bush as void in there and she's one of the heroes who kind of feels like how the rest of us would feel if we were to meet the Incredibles. I really felt like her character spoke for like all of us pretty much. Yeah. Void, um, especially like with her meeting Elastigirl and she's like, Hey, I, look, look what I can do. Oh my God. And like when she comes face to face with her, she's kind of like flushed because like she's her, you know, she's her hero and stuff like that. And now she's a hero and she's not trying to embarrass herself. Like, I agree with what you said. Like, that's kind of like if I met Superman or, you know, like uh, if you met Spider-Man or like, you know, Spider-Gwen or somebody like that, you kind of be like, oh, my God, like they're in front of me. Like, what what do I say? What not? Right. Um, yeah. And I like going back to like the other characters like uh, Winston Dever, like he was also another he he's kind of like us, like he. uh when he was younger, like he believed, like his parents believed in supers. And even though he, you know, he underwent that tragedy, he still believed in superheroes. So like, it's kind of like a metaphor where like, you know, we might lose family members and stuff like that through tragedy or stuff beyond our control. But like, look at us, like we, we, me and you talk about reading comics and stuff every day. You know what I mean? So like we, you still have, these superheroes and like these ideals to look up to that like make you hand that there's something good and there's something greater but and there's also his sister uh evelyn dever who i mean we'll find out towards the end that she has an ulterior motive but she's kind of like the flip side to it um she's like you know she blames you know superhero worship on losing her parents and she thinks you know, her brother and, and his, you know, trying to restore the supers and whatnot. Like it was, it's basically dumb. And she tries to like flip that. So superheroes are always illegal. So you, with the new, with the new characters, like you said, like there aren't that many, they, they don't put too many. It's just enough to further this story and where this story is going, which I love because like with all the movies that we've seen, there's a lot of, I mean, <clears throat> Spider-Man, uh, they try to pack in too much and, and, and it doesn't work. And Incredibles 2 just got it, got it just right. Yeah, you mentioned Evelyn. So that kind of segues into talking about the use of villains in this movie, because as you mentioned, it takes a while. But eventually in the movie, we get to the point where we know she does not feel the same way as her brother Winston. And, you know, the first villain that we see is screensaver or whatever ridiculous yeah. name they come up with for these villains you know it's like very obvious and 
it almost feels like they're not trying, but because it's Pixar, I'm willing to give them some leeway on that because, you know, this is all fiction. It doesn't need to be some super cool, super realistic villain name because we don't, I mean, I guess we do have villains in real life, but not these <laughs> kind of villains. So that's a whole different story. But to have the villain be under a mask is really interesting because we found out in the Incredibles who the villain was right away because he was like, you know, don't you remember me? And then we get that flashback. And with this, you know, the villain is hiding in the shadows and we don't get to figure it out right away. So I really like that they kind of string you along for a bit and then things start to come full circle and you're like, oh, okay. I see what's happening here. Well, I mean, I don't think like uh, you know, our pizza delivery men are like moonlighting as uh, super villains, even though I, I could be wrong. Uh, <laughs> that's who. That's who. That's who. Uh, the uh, the first instance of screen slaver is. Uh, okay, screen slaver. Yeah, that's he's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it I was thought close. it was. No, I thought it was screen saver too. But then I like heard it. And I'm like screen slaver. All right. Uh, okay, I can buy that. Um, but yeah, like what you mentioned, like everything kind of ties back to the first movie, and everything like every, it, it seemed like every action had a reaction, kind of. Uh, so like with with these new characters and whatnot, even though they're new, even though we're kind of learning about them, it's like, you know, the Incredibles actions in the first movie going into the second movie and especially with all the collateral da damage that happened with the Underminer, they, they basically almost, well, it kind of wasn't their fault. I mean, like that whole big, you know, drill thing, they couldn't really stop it, but they pretty much destroyed the city. So... I don't know. Like it's, I felt for the Incredibles at some point in this movie. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of like, you're like, ah, oh, man, like they just want to help. And like the regular humans are just like, ah, nah, we got this. Blah, blah, blah. We don't really need you. And they kind of like discard them. And it's, it's like, oh, that's kind of sad and whatnot, but I'm sure we'll get into like what happens between Mr. and Mrs. Incred Incredible. And that's a whole storyline within itself. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and just mention quickly some of our favorite moments from this movie before we dive into some more general discussion on it? Because, you know, I really enjoyed myself while I was watching this. I don't think it was quite as good as the first one. It was pretty close, though. So it was just one of those things where, you know, a lot of sequels don't always do quite as well as that initial movie because you can't really recreate that same feeling of meeting these characters for the first time but we do get to meet some characters for the first time and you know I mentioned how Void reacts the same way all of us would react meeting our favorite superheroes and I think I really like that character more when they had that scene together later where Elastigirl goes after Evelyn on the plane and you see Void trying to soften her landing and she's not getting it right at first, but she keeps trying because she's like, okay, my favorite person 
is falling from the sky at a very fast rate, and I need to figure out how to use my powers to do something good. Now, Void, <laughs> Void is is very entertaining because, like, like we kind of touched on, like, how would you react when like your hero is there, like when your hero is like this known commodity, and you're just kind of starting out. You don't really, you don't really like have a handle on your powers yet. Like you're kind of like, all right, well, if I mess this up, like they'll probably hate me forever. So like, uh, yeah, I understand. Like it, that was definitely a cool part to me. Like seeing like the apprenticeship kind of like void and Elastigirl has, like it wasn't like a, a true apprenticeship, but like it, it seemed like, oh, like it's like the new crop of super, superheroes. And this, and the fact that like it was, it was like women at the forefront, which was also pretty cool. Like I, I like that theme that happened throughout the Incredibles too, which I'm sure like we'll touch on when we go into more general discussion. Um, my favorite scene was definitely uh, the scenes with Violet. Okay. <laughs> and uh, why do I keep on forgetting his name? Like his uh, her Dash. No, uh, Violet and. Uh, not her boyfriend, but you know, like the guy. She, oh, that yeah, 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 the kid. I I can't recall his name either. I feel like it was something very generic, like Nick or something. <laughs> it's oh man, I for, yeah, I forget every time. Uh, it Tony, Tony, yes, Tony. Okay, I I was close, four letters. <laughs> <laughs> every because like she she likes this dude and like she goes up to him and she's like, hey, blah blah, like trying to explain herself. He's like, dude, I don't I don't know you. And it, it's because Mr. Dicker, like, you know, does the whole, you know, men in black kind of plungy thingy and makes him, like, forget everything. But, like, her reaction to stuff like that. And uh, I think uh, the first time that Mr. Incredible, like, finds out that Jack-Jack has his powers and he's fighting the raccoon. That was yeah, hilarious <laughs> that's <to me>. great. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie, too. Yeah, Jack-Jack adds a lot of comedy to this sequel because we knew in the first movie that he had powers, but it's something that everyone else in the family is just now figuring out. And we see when Frozone comes over and Jack-Jack just disappears and he freaks out. And then, you know, Mr. Incredible is just going around with the cookie, like waving it in the air until Jack-Jack reappears. And it's things like that where... You know, even though Jack-Jack isn't going to save the day necessarily because he's a baby, just to be able to see the extent of his powers was fun to explore in this. And we also get the moment between Jack-Jack and Edna, where Jack-Jack gives himself, like, Edna's hair and everything like that. And that entire sequence was really funny, too, because Edna does not like kids so it seems at least and then she just like falls in love with jack jack by the time she's done babysitting him yeah and did you find out that like jack jack has more powers yeah like apparently he's like multiple man he could like duplicate himself he could mimic like, like you said and he could like mimic other people's like facial features uh apparently like with the squirrel like he had like telekinesis where he like closed the the garbage lid. I'm like this dude, this little kid is basically all the X Men. Like he, yeah. he he can do all of it. And yeah, yeah. that that was uh 
the, the part with Edna was funny because, you know, like, he's doing all this stuff, and then she sees, like, the whole mimicking thing, and she's, like, rushing, like, Mr. Incredible out. She's like, all right, great, uh, I'll take him, see you, all right, bye. And then she designs the suit for him and whatnot. Um, yeah, Jack-Jack actually is, like, probably, like, one of the big stars of the movie. Like, I, I love that, like, they put him more to the forefront in this one. Yeah, plus it allows for them to sort of take a look at the family members individually. You know, Mr. Incredible really struggles with his wife being the center of attention in this movie. And we see that through his body language and even, you know, as he starts to say things to Helen when she gets the job and he doesn't. And she just kind of gives him this look like, you know, you better get over it. And I really enjoy that dynamic between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Mr. Incredible it turns into like the stay at home mom um, at, at well, the stay at home mom figure in this one. And then like Elastigirl, it is the hero. And if you look at the first movie, Mr. Incredible was doing all these secret missions like, pretending to go to his job that he gets fired from. And, like, you know, uh, Elastigirl has no idea this is happening. So she's at home, like, taking care of the kids. This is flipped. Yeah. And, like, it, it kind of speaks to, like, the modern era where, like, women are actually, you know, they're they're the breadwinners. Like, they, they have the opportunity to, to do incredible things and stuff like that. And it's not always, you know, the men... We were like always like, you know, like it's always me and, and like, you know what I mean? Like I should be out there and stuff like that. And he goes through that and he has these moments where like Dash and him are watching the television and like they show his car and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I thought it wasn't operational anymore. And you see like kind of like little bits of his masculinity kind of like get stripped away from him because he's not the one saving the world. It's a lasting world. And she, and you could see that, like, as she does it more and more, like, she, she gets confident and she gets happy. And, like, I like that this movie kind of tackled those issues and, like, what we're talking about now, especially with, like, you know, equal, uh, equal opportunity with women and stuff like that. They did it in a very smart way that made you think and, like, all right, cool. Like, you know, like, this is, this is right. Like, now it's her turn, you know, like. He's had his turn. Now, you know, it's Elastigirl's turn. Yeah, definitely. Well, that certainly leads us into some more general discussion. We touched on this a little bit with Evelyn ultimately being the villain. You know, we see her go behind the scenes because she's the one who is inventing all of this cool technology, making the suits when Edna isn't making them anyway, which she takes very personally. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's the one outfitting Elastigirl for this new job, basically. And the brother is the face of the company. So you have a similar situation there where she sort of feels like she's not nearly as appreciated as her brother. And instead of handling it in a way like Mr. Incredible does, she sort of goes to the evil side and is like, well, you know, these people ruined my parents' lives, got them killed because my parents believed in them too much. So I want to get rid of all of them. And she pretends like she wants to help them 
until she gets them close enough to her to eliminate them. And so once we find that out and we see her take control of all of the various heroes, regardless of how heroic they actually are, you know, some of them are very questionable, but it's just one of those moments where you have to stop and think like, okay, where did things go wrong for her? And we find out that, you know, it was the parents' death and the fact that that impacted her and a completely different way than it did her brother was a nice touch too because it's not like they were in on it together he was just as clueless as helen was when mr incredible was going out and doing all these things behind her back at night so you have some of those parallels to the first movie as well i mean thinking about it like can you really blame her like her parents believed in an ideal so much that you know her mother wanted to go and hide and her father was like, no, 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 like we got to call the supers and stuff like that. And that ended up, that choice ended up getting him killed. So, yeah, like she is kind of, she is the villain. Absolutely. But like I'm, I'm sat and I thought about it and I'm like, it must be something with Disney, like especially like with, you know, like MC, some MCU villains and stuff like that, that like they're kind of relatable and you kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah, they definitely treated her in a similar way that they did with Killmonger in Black Panther. They were easy to relate to, and you could definitely understand where their anger and their emotions were coming from. Yeah, like, I, I was just kind of like, all right, well, you know, the supers that he called, neither of them picked up because of, I guess because they were illegal. So, I mean, in that way, you kind of could blame regular humans because they made they made it illegal. But at the same time, they, you know, the people that like her brother kind of like worships and loves and is trying to like restore their their fruit. She had taken away from them because um, and directly because of them. So at some point, like I'm like, all right, well, you know, I kind of do level with her in a way like she you know, she's going about it the wrong way, but she kind of does have a point. Like I would kind of be pissed off if, you know, the reason my parents died was because of that. And that's her motivation. And like, yeah, like you kind of, you, you kind of do level with her a a bit. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think having two different family dynamics in this too was interesting because we really only got to see the Incredibles as a family in the first movie. So to have them be in this second movie along with a brother and sister pairing and just showing how different these dynamics can be or, you know, how they seem on the surface level, but if you dig deeper, you'll find something different. I really enjoyed that as well because, you know, we mentioned Mr. Incredible not being happy that he wasn't the one to get the job. So they went a little deeper in this movie with the characters, I think, because in the first one, it was really this fun family getaway almost to this island where they have to go save each other so you know we didn't dive quite as deep into the characters i don't think but because of how many characters they added we didn't necessarily get that with all of the other heroes too we get it a tiny bit with void just because i think of the other group of heroes she's the one who sort of has the biggest role and gets to 
evolve the most throughout the film because she's this nervous wreck when we first see her because she's meeting Elastigirl and then we see her really become the hero that she wants to be by the end of it. Well, you could kind of flip that on. It's funny because you kind of flip that on uh, its side with the first movie. So you have, you know, Mr. Incredible who had his fanboy syndrome and his, his fandom actually turns him to being a villain. And with here, it's on the flip side where, you know, with Mrs. with Mrs. Incredible and Void, she actually becomes the she actually becomes the hero. And I like that, like with the movies, they're kind of they had this like mirror image thing going because you see different parenting styles. Right. So in the first movie, you have um, Mrs. Incredible tell the kids about, you know, having secret identities and at first tell them not to use their powers, but then like telling them to be who they are. Then you have Mr. Incredible in this one who kind of gets oh, – he, he definitely gets overwhelmed, uh, especially with Violet's boy problems, Dash just being Dash, and uh, and his homework because he, he, he's like, what? And then, uh, you know, Jack-Jack's powers and, like, them real, realizing it. And I feel like that – you can see through the character. He's like, "Oh, this is what, this is what Elastigirl has to deal with every day. Like, this is how she she juggles it." And like, you feel you're you're like, "All right, well, you know, Mister Incredible has to learn to kind of be a re- a regular person." And he has, and there's like this whole storyline that continues through the first and second movies where he struggles with that. Like, um, he struggles being a. a regular person and Elastigirl actually has never really kind of fulfilled being a superhero on their own, on her own. So yeah, like the, the storylines that kind of go throughout the movies are pretty cool because there you, if you've watched both movies or if you watch the second one and go back to watch the first one, you're like, Oh, okay. Like there's a lot of cause and effect. What did you think of how well this movie did in comparison to the first one because obviously the movie industry was very different even just 14 years ago so comparing numbers isn't necessarily what I want to do but for you what was the impact of this movie like compared to when you saw the first one I feel like a lot hmm, I don't know I feel like there's like well it definitely made more um, I think the first movie made like 633 million, and then the second movie to date uh, made 864 million. I mean, that's not too big of a difference. I mean, well, 200 million is is actually kind of a big difference, but this one had a bigger budget. Um, this one, I think, what helped it is for nostalgic reasons. So you had a whole bunch of uh, people who are our age looking forward to seeing it and then you had kids uh i think it would be i mean it's still a good movie but i think that the nostalgia the nostalgia and the fact that it had like a whole subsection of older fans definitely helped it uh if it was just kids and stuff like that like it 
we've seen like you know like kid movies just do powerhouse numbers like i think on a smaller scale i think uh hotel transylvania 3 was like i think the number one movie or something like that this weekend or or something like that well i mean it did open against like skyscraper and stuff like that but i think yeah i i it definitely helped it's just like uh uh, Nickelodeon bringing back like uh, Double Dare or you know Rugrats recently and stuff like that. Older fans are going to watch it because they grew up with it, and then they could they could they probably have kids now, so they could show the kids. It, it's like a great family bonding experience, and it's just Disney hits this market out of the park every single time. Definitely, Disney definitely has an advantage when it comes to a lot of these big blockbuster movies, whether it's animated kids movies or animated movies that both kids and adults want to go see, which is a good majority of the Pixar movies, to be honest, or even just, you know, owning Marvel and Lucasfilm. So to have Disney be at the top of the box office very frequently doesn't surprise anyone, but, you know, obviously you have things like inflation even within the last 14 years and everything like that. So I would say the number of people who went to go see this probably roughly equals the same number of people who went to go see The Incredibles in theaters. Maybe a few more went to see it this time, but you know, some people aren't going to go see this if they haven't seen the first one, but as easy as it is to just go on iTunes or even YouTube or Amazon now and rent movies or buy movies, it's like people could sit down on their couch and have it to watch in minutes, if not seconds. No, you're right. Um, in 2004, you know, 3D and real 3D and Dolby Digital movie theaters weren't really that prevalent. Yeah. It, it definitely is now. So the ticket prices are way higher. So, like, I agree with you what you said about inflation. Like, um, it, it probably is... A little, just a little bit more, but then again, you're paying, you know, 17, 18 bucks a ticket depending on where you are and, you know, if you have Movie Pass or Stubbs Plus or whatnot. Like, so, yeah, you do have to take all of that into account. Yeah. You mentioned a scene earlier about. Mr. Incredible having to help Dash with his homework. And that gives us the great line of why would they change math? And, you know, it's one of those things where you could easily understand his frustration because I'm sure if you and I went to go do pre calc or calculus or some math that we possibly hated in high school, you know, they might have different ways of doing it now. And, you know, we weren't in high school all that long ago or even college so it's just one of those things where it's like why would this thing change that's like changing science we don't do that <laughs> oh don't give me like a pre-calc a pre-calc question right now i wouldn't be able to do it i wouldn't even <laughs> be able to even wrap my head around even doing it right now you'd be like why are there letters in math just stop please <laughs> yeah like quadratic equations and stuff like that i wouldn't i i can't even fathom like trying to do that right now. Like I would have, it would take me a while to even get back into that thought process. You gotta, well, you gotta consider Mr. Incredible. All he knows is being a superhero. All he wants to know is being a superhero. 
So, like, him being a parent, this is kind of like a new world for him. And he's still struggling. He's like, well, look, no, no. This is what I am. Like, I'm supposed to be out there, like, in my super suit, like, fighting crime. But, you know, he kind of tries to put that aside in, in order to, you know, help his wife go her dream. And even though things go wrong, they're like, hey, do you want me to come back home? He's like, no, 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 no. I got everything under control when he doesn't. Like, he's yeah. got, by the third act, he's got a five, five o'clock shadow. He's calling people. He goes to Edna, of all people, to help. So, like, yeah, like, this is a whole new whole new world for him. You know what I mean? Like, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't really know, but it also speaks to society and stuff like that, where, like, you know, with a marriage and kind of, like, gender roles and whatnot, like, you don't, you may not even know what, like, your spouse is going through. Like, say, like, you have two kids and whatnot. Like, you can't even fathom... Like, if I work and you stay at home, like, it's two different jobs, but they are jobs, and they both are important. So, I'm glad that, like, they kind of flipped the coins and, like, made you, like, see each parent in a, diff in a different role. Yeah, that's something that's going to also appeal to the parents in the audience, because there are probably plenty of parents out there, and I know mine felt this way at some point, where it's it gets to a point where you just can't help the kids with homework anymore and you're like i i don't know what's going on so you know you're kind of on your own thing and he didn't do that to dash he sat there and tried to figure it out but mind you dash is also only in what maybe middle school so you know he's not so far advanced in math or anything to where it is calculus or something like that and you know there are plenty of people around who probably never had to take calculus just because I don't know how long that's necessarily been a class offered in high school or whatnot. I know people who don't take it until like college or, you know, whatever. And that's if you go to college too. Oh yeah. No, I told you like, I, I, I don't even know what the curriculum in high school and, and stuff is now. Like I'm so, we're so far removed from it. Like, you know what I mean? Like even stuff with like biology and, and whatnot. Like I, I mean, I know with like the basics and whatnot, but like you have to think about like the most of the things that we learned in high school, like how, how much of that do we really apply to our lives now? You know what None. I mean? Like, but yeah, like, <laughs> like I, we're not like applying algebra and, and whatnot. Like, of course, like we do fractions and stuff like that. Like that's helpful. And like, multiplication and whatnot but like yeah like it, it speaks to like <laughs> that whole like generational divide like you, you know you have like dad and son like you know back in my day it wasn't like that like but well now it is can you help me but i've never seen this before so like yeah like you know my parents like helped as best as they could but like at some point they were like <sighs> you're on your own. Like, do you need, like, do you need help? Like, do you need, like, somebody to help you? Like, maybe somebody, yeah. So, yeah, I, I get it. Pixar is just really great at having those moments for the adults and the kids who go see the movie, too. So I think that's part of the appeal. You know, parents might not mind taking their kids to movies like Incredibles 2 more than once because there are pieces of it that they can enjoy as well. It's not like, you know, they're 
going to go see this baby cartoon that will be like teaching the kids how to spell or something, which might not be quite as entertaining for them. So it's nice that Disney has always sort of found this way to do that, whether with whether if it's with the Disney animated movies from way back in the day, which were pretty dark, or the Pixar movies now, which aren't quite as dark, but, you know, still have some moments. Well, like, take, like look, look at, like, Up, right? Look at the yeah. first three or four minutes of Up in that montage and how sad that was. Um, like, wow, this is kind of like a real, like, real life thing like oh like they grow old they go, oh no he passed away you know like his wife you know passed away and now he has to live without her and i'm like wow like this is pretty heavy to to kind of do and then look at like you know uh toy story 3 and andy giving away the toys like you're like oh man like i grew up like watching Toy Story and, and like Andy's going off to college. He's not going to play with toys anymore. So like, yeah, there's like some like adult themes, but like it's in a way that kids can kind of like understand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, but Incredibles 2 to just to me, like from watching it, the morals and themes were more for the adults. And, right. but like, but there are base level things like, you know, like with, you know, with Void and Elastigirl and even with Violet and stuff like that, like that, like girls can kick ass like that. That's pretty uh, that that was good for like young girls to see. And like, you know, like boys and men can struggle, you know, that's OK. Like, you don't like the whole like masculine thing. Like, I always have to be the hero. Sometimes sometimes I'm not going to be the hero. Sometimes my wife will be. You know, I can't do that all the time. Like, but to me, like just watching it and stuff like, I'm like, wow, this is definitely more, this is a movie more for the people who grew up with the first movie. Like, like it's okay for like, you know, younger kids to watch it now, but like, this is the payoff and the lessons are people who stuck around for since 2004. That's, that's what I felt. They definitely do a great job with updating it without losing the essence of what the family is about because, you know, a lot has happened since this first movie just in the world in general. So you have these things that you need to find a way to add in there without making it feel forced. And I think they did a pretty nice job with doing that. Like you said, you know, showing that Elastigirl can sort of be the breadwinner for the family and Mr. Incredible doesn't have to be, he can be Mr. Mom. So it's one of those things where they definitely spent a lot of time going through this and making sure, okay, you know, it's 2018 now when this is coming out. So we need to update it to reflect that. And that's something that you might not always see that people are willing to do because as you and I both know, just from paying attention to the news, Hollywood isn't the first to change by any means. You know, they take their sweet time on getting things to where they should be. I think recently, like, there's been that push. Yeah. And I think that, like, especially with, you know, being inclusive and, and giving women, you know, more chances to be directors and, and lead roles and uh, even in the pay gap and especially with minorities and 
you know, the recent thing with <laughs> Scarlett Johansson and transgender roles and like that transgender people should be considered for more of those roles. I think that Hollywood is starting to wake up. I think that, you know, it, we still have a long way to go, but I think that, you know, Hollywood is starting to incorporate some of the things that we're talking about in a way that like, you know, there's always going to be those people who are against progress. There's always going to, but as you see in the box office, like with movies, you know, like Incredibles two or a movie, like in a different side of the spectrum, like get out, they're profitable because they, they speak to truth and they speak in a way that, you know, is kind of like universal and that it's right. And it's just, it's just the right thing to do. And, you know, like I feel like Pixar, especially with movies like Coco and stuff like that and incorporating other, you know, cultures and whatnot. Like, I think that they have been getting it right. And I think they have been, you know, like pooling on, you know, everybody and bringing everybody into their universe, which is good. Absolutely. Well, is there anything we haven't touched on yet that you want to discuss before we wrap up here? Oh, no, I think that like, these two pods were awesome, and I think we covered a lot. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say that I do think both of these movies are fairly rewatchable. That's something I'm not necessarily always good at. I'll do it for the podcast or something like that. But usually I have so many things that I want to check out that it's really hard for me to want to dedicate time to rewatching something when I don't have to write about it or a podcast on it or something like that. But <laughs> I think, you know... Pixar movies tend to be an exception for that. At least, you know, like the initial movies in a series. I know there's what, you know, three Toy Story movies and three or four Cars movies. I've kind of lost track with the Cars movies because I feel like I'm always seeing them pop up here and there. But, you know, movies like Coco and a lot of the recent work that Pixar has been doing has really just stepped it up for them and they were already good to begin with so it's nice to see movies like Coco and Incredibles 2 just sort of bring everything into the current era and they're so up to date with everything that's going on and diversifying and everything like that I mean I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the next Toy Story movie because I'm not really sure where they can go with that because I thought that you know three was pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like I thought, okay, the story's wrapped up and whatnot. But Pixar has definitely been more aware and it's definitely have been, you know, timely and they definitely tug at the heartstrings. Like they definitely have you thinking, I agree with you that they definitely have like a replay value to them. Like, I don't know if I'll be watching up anytime soon because it is really sad. Yeah, that one's a little more difficult to rewatch simply because it's not quite as fun as some of these. I mean, Coco is pretty heavy as well. You know, that's a pretty emotional movie. Yeah. But it's one of those things where because of the outcome, you know, it sort of redeems itself in the end. Not that it necessarily needed redeeming, but as far as how fun it is, you're like, okay, you know, and I think once you know the ending to Coco, it might make it a little easier to rewatch it because you're not sort of going through all of these same initial emotions all over again. Yeah, but like, you know, like movies like Brave and uh, that that's a really good movie and uh, uh, Ratatouille and, and 
movies like that that they're just kind of fun, you yeah. know? So, like, yeah, like, Disney ha- kind of has, like, this Midas touch where, like, like think of, like, the older movies, like The Lion King and, uh, you know, Sleeping Beauty and, and, and movies like that. Like, they, they have, like, insane, like, watchability, replayability. Like, even, like, when we become 50 and, like, we have kids and then, you know, when we're even older and then they have kids, we can kind of show them these movies and they'll still be relevant. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, that's why Disney will always be able to print out their own money. Like, they, they basically are their own economy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Disney could, like, sustain an entire state if they needed to. Maybe not one the size of California or Texas, but, you know, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> with, you know, I think Toy Story 4 coming out next year, and especially with the last Infinity War movie, they definitely... And, the last Star Wars movie coming out next year, they'll definitely get close because they've been hitting the billion dollar mark consistently lately. Yeah, definitely. Well, Marjani, thank you so much for coming back on to talk about this. I know our plan was initially to do both in the same day, but that did not happen. So I appreciate you scheduling a second time so we could get this one done here and get them released back to back. So, you know, that is definitely a nice thing to be able to do because sometimes you don't always get to just plan things as you want them to so this worked out and of course to our listeners thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day see you later